And we're live here uh, with the Longhorn live stream on Tuesday night. I'm Bobby Burton. This is On Texas Football. Uh, I've got Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and Blake Monroe alongside me. We're talking a little football, spring practice, spring game, just around the corner now, four days away, uh, as well as some major recruiting news going on. Uh, coming up this weekend, a bunch of visitors. Jerry Hamilton's going to be talking about that. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about what Steve Sarkeesian had to say uh, today when he stepped to the microphone and talked at his presser uh, pretty much uh, at length about different aspects of what he's seen uh, thus far in uh, in the uh, spring practice for the Longhorns. Uh, Jerry, I want to start with you, Arterio Morris, uh, one of the uh, key players, key young players for the Longhorns basketball team this year. Uh, maybe didn't get as many minutes as he wanted. He opted to transfer or, or uh, enter the transfer portal uh, according to some folks, as of yesterday, uh, what's your general take on that, and what the Longhorns are doing uh, in basketball right now from a portal perspective? Yeah, I think it's it, it's it, college basketball is in an interesting spot because it, recruiting five star guys that see themselves as one and done players, while still being a very experienced team, is kind of dicey, right? Um, Arturo Morse is a talented kid, but he came in as a five-star upside prospect. He didn't come in as a ready-made, uh, surefire, one-and-done player. But that doesn't mean the people around him didn't think that, right? And so you come in on an experienced team, um, and when they went through the situation they did with uh, Chris Beard's situation and Rodney Terry coming in, the Texas staff is going to win games. They were going to use their experienced players to win as many games as possible. Um, and when you have Jabari Rice come in and have the season he had, that's going to eat minutes from somebody else. Um, you know, and it's interesting, TJ Ford, we were talking before the season, he kind of predicted, he said, somebody's going to get their minutes cut. Somebody's going to play well. Um, and it's going to eat into somebody's, uh, somebody else's minutes. And that's the way it was. I mean, Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, and, and Jabari Rice as three guards were all playing starters minutes. Um, and then Timmy Allen's playing 30 minutes a game. Uh, so somebody with Rice coming in and really, really exceeding expectations, that ate in Arterio's minutes. At the same time, Terrio has a lot of things he's got to work on to be that player that everybody thinks he can be, which is an NBA player. He's got to get better handle on the ball. He's got to learn how to play half-court basketball, good shot, bad shot, timing of all that. Um, and he, he, showed, he showed signs defensively and athletically that you know he has some you know, he didn't shoot it as well consistently maybe, but in spurts from three to show you what he can become. But at the end of the day, his circle, they just uh, they just thought there was going to be better spots out there for him. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, Texas has some work to do in the portal at guard. Um, I think they're going to uh, – they're in on some guys. Uh, one kid today, Reese Dixon Waters, went to San Diego State over Texas and UCLA, 6'5 guard that Texas really likes. So – uh, they're they're gonna have to, they've got some work to do in the portal, but uh, Frank Hates on board now with Rodney, and uh, I know they're gonna put together a roster. But it's gonna be interesting. Like if you look at everybody's looking at UConn, how did the, Danny uh, Hurley build this national championship team? Well, their their four high school recruits that were play key factors for them on that team. They weren't five star kids. They weren't top twenty ranked kids. They were all kids ranked forty to sixty in the country that are going to be two, three-year players that didn't come in with the one-and-done expectations. Um, so I think that plus experience teams is probably the way college basketball is going to go in the future. When you, Unless it's a kid who 
you know, if you're bringing in a five-star prospect to a team that loses a lot like Texas this year did, Ron Holland's going to play 27, 28 minutes a game, and it's going to be great for him. If you bring in these kids on an experienced roster coming back, it's a lot more difficult. Than, uh, so that bouncing act for college coaches is not getting easier. It's getting more difficult. Jerry, I, I got to ask you, I mean, are they – do they feel confident in the portal at this point from your sources inside the building there? I think so. I, I think they feel good about, you know, look, they have three, four, five guys they really like. Um, and one of those kids went elsewhere today. That kid was out in California, USC transfer, just opted to stay home. Uh, look, Max Admus is the Oral Roberts transfer. The Garters, 22 points a game last year. and A really good player. Texas needs to win that, win that recruitment. I mean, I don't think there's any really way around that. They need to win that recruitment. The big, the transfer from Virginia is visiting uh, April 18th. Uh, he was at Duke Saturday. Everybody just thinks he's going to go to Duke. He's from Holly Springs, North Carolina. I'm not sure that's the case. I think Texas feels like they have a really good shot there. Um, and then there's two or three other kids uh, that they're the Virginia Tech guard transfer, um, who's, a, who's a good player who missed the last half of the season. There's a big Caleb Boone from Oklahoma State who they really like. Um, so I, I think they're on the right track with guys now. They just got to get them. Yep. All right. I uh, want to say thank you to our sponsor. Uh, that is Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by, by Texans. When you use or select Energy Texas as your energy provider, you're calling folks in the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, but Texas. Uh, for your energy provider, select Energy Texas. Texas Electricity done right. That's www.energytexas.com. Uh, Blake, you have any questions uh, immediately for Jerry right now? Actually, I do. Uh Talking about Morris a little bit, is there any chance that they recruit him to come back into the program? I haven't really seen that talked about too much. That's a good question, and I don't expect that. I won't rule it out completely, but I do not expect that one. That would be a surprise to me right now. Got it. All that's right, a really uh, good question. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting to see how many of those guys it happens to. Steve Sarkeesian, by the way, Jerry and, and Blake, has said specifically that once a guy enters, he's letting them go. Rodney Terry hasn't necessarily said that. Um, Rowan Brumball also put his name in the portal as well. Uh, apparently, he's going to be gone. Another uh, player from the Longhorns that was a young guard. Uh, we'll have to see where all it goes uh, right now. Uh, we do have some other news uh, going on. Uh, Trill Carter, a young man out of uh, Minnesota, uh, defensive tackle that started two years at Minnesota, originally from the state of Georgia. Uh, he's on campus right now from Tuesday till Thursday. On Friday, he actually goes to Ohio State, the Buckeyes, adding their name to the mix. Uh, for folks saying, oh, well, is he good enough to play at Texas, yada, yada, yada. He's going to Illinois, Arkansas. You know, what about Texas gets him in? All of a sudden, he's going to Ohio State on Friday. So uh, I think that should take those uh, thoughts and, and concerns away, uh, or at least assuage them uh, quite a bit. Um, Texas also still looking at uh, adding a potential edge in the portal and a potential tight end uh, if those guys come available. One of the guys that they have looked at is Derek McClendon, uh, defensive end out of uh, Florida State. Uh, but McClendon, it appears, is staying in the southeast at this time. He visited South Carolina over the weekend. He also uh, originally from the state of Georgia. Uh, guys, Blake, what what do you think that they're there that you see right now in the portal and in, in Texas is? Uh, I don't want to say lack of aggression, uh, but actually just their, 
I would put it their due diligence right now based on the fact that, A, they don't know who's leaving the program yet either because the, the portal actually doesn't open until April 15th. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, well, you know, Sark actually talked about it today in his press conference, talking about how they're going to be very selective, making sure that they're a cultural fit, making sure that, you know, that they're not just taking people to take people. And I think that's the right approach there. I mean, they're in a position now to where they can be a bit more selective than maybe in the previous years that we've seen. And I, I think that uh, they're on the right track. Got it. I, I think so, too. My question there is, uh, you know, do you prioritize? Because I think Texas right now is at 89 or 90, going to be 89 or 90 scholarships if all the people show up and everybody stays. So there's going to be some natural attrition. We, that's just the way of the world in college football. We know that. Um, Jerry and and Blake, from listening to it today, um, you really got the sense that uh, he was distinguishing between two different types of recruits that he's looking at nowadays. Uh, And that's Steve Sarkeesian. With a recruit, it's developmental. Yeah. Yes, there are going to be a couple guys that are ready to go. There, to your point, Jerry, there are going to be a couple of Ron Holland, Ron Hollins, those kind of guys that that may be ready to go in basketball. In football, there are going to be a couple of those, and then there's going to be a lot that you have to develop over time. Uh, offensive and defensive line are, are two of those positions that just take a little bit longer uh, to do that. Uh, and then you talk about uh, the situation with. Uh, what it looks like when you talk about the portal, he's looking for more like immediate impact or if something happens, you know, if something bad happens, an injury or one of those things, are you that far down that you need to definitely get some uh, young guys in uh, and and going? So I think it's interesting how they're doing it. Uh, I want to say this, we're, we're taking your questions tonight uh, as we always do on Tuesday night. Uh, so we're going to actually just get straight to questions right now. Please load up the the comment box with it. Feel free to ask us, Jerry, Blake, myself. We're here through the end of the hour uh, talking Longhorn football and uh, recruiting. Uh, Let's go ahead and start with Michael uh, Gresser. Is the DJ Campbell situation injury related and nothing to worry about? It is injury related. I don't know that it's nothing to worry about. Uh, We're trying to figure out more, but we don't think it's a knee. I'll put it that way or something that would keep him out extended period of time. Uh, we can't, I don't want to guess and, and without the official diagnosis, uh, but he, it is an injury. It is something that is going to take a while to heal, but it's it's precautionary as much as anything. If it were game week, do I know if he could play? I don't think he could, but it's not, it's one of those that's, it's not, he may be out for a month or something is what I'm hearing. So just uh, get it, get, that's what I'm hearing. I don't have the official injury report. Same. Jerry, yeah. same. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go to this one. Same. All right. Jerry from Emmanuel Villafranco. Thanks for the question, Emmanuel. Uh, Is Jerry going to make an official visit this weekend or is he going to be reporting from his car? Maybe both. (laughs) (laughs) I know, but I, I, it is almost car time again. It's the spring evaluation period. So it's time to, time to ramp up the uh, old high school football recruiting car coverage. So, uh, Look for me late April and in May. I mean, I, I'll be doing the same thing the college coaches are. They're going to be on the road every day. But, no, it, this is an official visit weekend for me. Yep, and, and I think it's a big one. Uh, we need to talk a little bit about that. Go ahead, Jerry. I want you to to follow up with some of the guys that are coming in and really the the high points of those. 
Yeah, you know, I thought uh, I put something out on Inside Texas today, and I would really have to go back, and I don't know if there's any really way to find this, honestly. I mean, other than just thinking back uh, memory-wise, and it's tough as long as we've been in the business, Bobby. But Brandon Baker's the number one ranked junior offensive tackle in non-three industry ranking. Daniel Calhoun is number five. College, A lot of college coaches think they're the top two, honestly. So I don't think Texas ever had two – top five offensive tackle rated offensive tackles in the same class on campus at the same time in my years doing this. Uh, so that alone makes it a really big weekend, especially considering, you know, Brandon Baker had, you know, he's out at the California out of SoCal and uh, uh, modern eye. And, and he had been, Texas has been trying to get him in. Well, DeAndre Carter, the guard there had really good reviews based on his January 21st junior day visit and so the Baker family's finally getting out to Austin. Well, Daniel Calhoun, his father played at Bama. He's at Walton High and there in Marietta, Georgia. Um, he's got Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas official visits in that order in June. But for him to come to the spring game Saturday and then come back for an official visit in June is pretty interesting to me for Daniel Calhoun. Everybody assumes it's Georgia. And obviously, they would. He's in Atlanta, and Georgia's won two national titles. Or everybody else assuming it's Bama because his father played linebacker there. But it's interesting to me that he's going to the Texas spring game after he was there last April, and he's coming back uh, for the June visit here in the big weekend for Texas. So those two top five ranked offensive tackles, that alone makes it a huge weekend, obviously. Um, I, I, I was told earlier, um, I guess this morning, Nair Daniels, uh, the the uh, top 200 kid nationally offensive tackle out of uh, Bergen Catholic. He's not coming in this weekend. His parents shut down spring recruiting. Texas is in a pretty good spot for him. He's also officially visiting June 23rd through 25th. Another big-time offensive tackle. Could play guard, kind of in that Cam Williams type of mold as far as physical frame. A uh, teammate of Sadir Mitchell. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good – it's going to be a really good weekend. Colton Heinrich tied in from Fort Lauderdale, Cardinal Gibbons. I think tied ends and become a position of need in recruiting in 24 along with the portal. He's coming in. Um, you know, we have a lot of maybes. Is Kobe Black going to make it in? Possibly. Bryant Wesco, possibly. Uh, because you're really buttoned up there against some track seat, track meets, some big track meets as well on Saturday. There's seven or eight or nine spring games as well. But uh, from an offensive line perspective, Texas has two big-time guys coming in. They also have a third guy, Colin Coverly, out of uh, New State of New York, who's more of a guard prospect. He's been on campus a couple times before. He's coming in for the spring game as well. And there will be some other names trickling in, especially some 25s here. But uh, it, it's it's very interesting to me that Texas has this level of offensive linemen that they're in on, not just coming in campus once, but they're seriously in on these guys. And the official visit weekend late June – it, it, you know, the top five, five of the top six offensive line targets on the board are already scheduled for official visits. That's Daniel Cruz, who I think Texas leads for, Makai Saina, who they've got in late on at Arlington Martin, Ori Williams at San Marcos. I've mentioned Calhoun. Um, and then obviously, uh, they're in Nair Daniels. And then they'll be trying to get Brandon Baker in on that weekend, too. It'll be interesting to see if Baker comes back in June. If he does, you'll know Texas is very much in that one. Jerry, give folks a taste of how y'all are going to be reporting and covering uh, stuff on Saturday. Or actually, I think it starts a little bit on Friday. Some guys, some of the kids are going to get in early Friday. Uh, but what are, what are you, Justin, Eric, and those guys going to be covering as far as recruiting is concerned on Saturday, given 
that there's also the spring game going on, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, those kids, they all get into the Moncrief New House Saturday. I'm sure they'll be in about 10 a.m. Uh, when they'll come into the facilities, even if they get in town Friday, right? They'll come into the facilities probably around 10 a.m. Um, the great thing that's changed with Coach Sarkeesian is, you know, he allows us to be around from a media perspective, hang out in the north end zone when the kids come on visits, uh, on unofficial visits, hang around the Moncrief New House when those kids and their families show up for unofficial visits. So it's allowed us from a photo coverage standpoint and then talking to those kids on campus after the visits are over. Um, in the Mac Brown era, that definitely didn't happen, right, Bobby? So that's been a welcome change uh, with Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, in the Mac Brown era, he would have had all of us kicked out of there, you know, together in, in one police van. So um, it's, it's very much more uh, media friendly with Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's gotten to be a lot more comfortable, by the way, to give him some kudos. I think he's gotten more comfortable with the job, with the media coverage. Not like he wasn't accustomed to it when he was at USC, but it's a different level at Texas, right? I mean, you could have people from Dave Campbell's there one day. You just don't know. Uh, it's just so much more media coverage. So kudos to Sarkeesian for uh, getting a little more comfortable uh, with how much media coverage there is of recruiting, not just the Texas football team and recruiting. And then we'll be talking to kids after the visits as well. I want to say this for, for this is a invite to anybody out there that wants to come join us. Eric Nolene and I on uh, Friday afternoon, will be at Haymaker over off of Manor road in Austin, starting around three 30 Friday afternoon. Uh, this isn't a, an invitation for free drinks. Uh, but if you're if you want to come out and hang out with Eric, myself, uh, other members of the inside Texas staff, that are going to be in town already. Jerry won't be coming up until early Saturday morning or otherwise he would join us. Uh, but if you want to come out, hang out with us, uh, that's at Haymaker. We did this last year at Posse East, uh, and I, I really enjoyed meeting a bunch of you guys. Uh, so please feel free to join us, uh, the guys, the crew at Inside Texas, uh, this coming Friday at Haymaker, starting around uh, 3.30 in the afternoon. Uh, please feel free to join us. Uh, this, one, this next question comes from Ashton Holloman, and I think it's a good one. Uh, and, and Blake, I want to get your take on this. Let's talk about what Coach Sark said about Anthony Hill and Byron Murphy today in his press conference. LFG, I, you know, I, I actually got a little charge out of it too, to be honest with you, because the question Blake was asking him, Who are the most impressive pass rushers on the team? I was expecting him to say, You know, Baron Sorrell or Ethan Burke or somebody like that, but instead he went totally off off uh, schedule and picked an inside defensive tackle. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he said they were affecting the quarterbacks the most, and he called Murphy, I think, unblockable was the word that he used to describe him and then uh, said that Hill creates issues, uh, lots of issues, actually. So that, that's great news for Texas and obviously something fans want to hear, especially out of a true freshman like Hill. Uh, I mean, he comes in with high expectations being a five-star and all, and, um, it, you know, those were the first two that stood out to him. And, I, and I'm kind of like you. I, I was a little bit surprised by that. I was thinking maybe one of the, the defensive ends or something. But for him to say Hill and then Murphy, I was kind of, I guess, taken back, if you will, that, that those were the first two that he went with. Yeah, and it's not like Sorrell is not that guy, too, right? I mean, he, yeah. I think people already know uh, what Barron can do to some degree, not that he's not improving. It's just uh, it's one of those things that it was interesting that he chose an inside defensive lineman mm -hmm. as opposed to uh, a guy that was lining up on the outside. Uh, we've heard, Jerry, that Ethan Burke is now taking some of the reps with the ones over Justice Finkley, in part because Burke 
is able to get to the quarterback better uh, than uh, Finkley. Uh, Jamon Tapp, Chris Ross also getting some mention um, from folks inside the program as uh, improving. What's your take on what Sark said today about Murphy and then Hill? I, well, it's twofold for me. I think, um, one, you know, we've talked about this with Anthony Hill before. He's such a downhill, sea ball, chase ball, hit ball carrier player, right? I mean, that that's who he is. Um, and I like that Sark said that because, to me, that means they're going to be using him at his strengths. And, and maybe as a freshman, you're not asking him to, you know, drop in coverage as much. Let the guy be what he is and develop in time what he needs to to become the high NFL draft pick. And where he can help this team the most as a freshman is never going to be dropping in coverage at linebacker. It's going to be chasing the ball, attacking the ball, making plays, being a disruptive player downhill because that is his greatest strength. And as always will be as he improves the rest of his game. So I thought that was really positive. Byron Murphy, look, if you if Murphy becomes that and you can get some of that from Alfred Collins, you really have a chance to be a disruptive team uh, up the middle defensively. Uh, and, and I think that is what tech is big for Texas because, Bobby, you pointed out they're probably not going to be quite as good against the run on the interior. And I do think that could affect Jalen Ford's production at linebacker. But if they're better getting teams behind the change, creating more disruption, I think that's a positive thing. The second thing, my takeaway for that, is none of the young edge guys have really taken a huge step. Because yeah. Anthony Hill's already getting the mention. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, this one's interesting. Byron Murphy, Bert Murphy, physical traits equal to identical to Aaron Donald and pit player Kalijah Cansey. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, – that's that's kind of one of those really difficult comparisons since Aaron Donald's going to be wearing a gold jacket in about 10 years. Um, but, you know, it, it is one of those deals where uh, that that's a that's a question mark. Uh, he asks here, can you ask Jerry to say who – who, that is who we get this year as a player. Do you think that that he's quite that guy, or is that just asking for too much? <laughs> I think that's asking for too yeah. much. I mean, Aaron Donald, I'll leave. That, that's like me comparing the next D tackle to Casey Hampton. I mean, you know, and fair or not, I look at those guys and say, can this guy be Casey Hampton? And the answer's always been no. Um, so, you know. Well, he doesn't I, bench press a house. Right, right. As a I mean, ninth grader, I'd have to pull up. I'd have to pull up Aaron Donald's testing numbers, but it was it was just stupid, right? Coming into the NFL Combine, um, but here's what I will. Here's what's interesting about Byron Murphy, um, and I remember Eric Nolina and I went to Desoto and watched him. And Shamar Turner was the most talented kid of the two, right? I mean, he's a bigger frame. They both could run. Um, but what was interesting is I left that day and I called a college assistant coach who assistant coach at the times now head coach and and he pretty much bet me that byron murphy would be an nfl player he said when you rank this guy you better rank him like he's gonna be an nfl player if that's a low four-star guy whatever however y'all rank him he said byron murphy's gonna play in the nfl one day and that guy's now a head coach in power five football so it, he i think he's gonna end up being right is what i'll say fair enough uh i will i don't even want to say this name because the the name is so <laughs> So out there, but uh, hey, <laughs> Booger, I'll just go with Booger. Super sticker for 10 bucks. Thank you so much. We appreciate it, dude. Uh, really do. Uh, we'll keep going here. I have a couple more questions uh, I want to get to from RJ Yarbrough. Bobby, uh, can you really judge the edge rushers on Saturday because of the tackles they're going up against? Uh, Blake, I know you caught the press conference like I did today. One of the things that Steve Sarkeesian went over is the format for Saturday's uh, uh, mm -hmm. 
game. He says it's going to actually be two teams. Last year, because of the lack of offensive linemen, mm -hmm. they couldn't even choose teams. <laughs> this year, it's going to be a, a game-like scenario where they actually keep score between the two teams. Um, and that tells me that, yeah, you're going to be able to see what they look like against the ones and what they look like against the twos, right? You'll be able to see Ethan Burke versus uh, Kelvin Banks or, and or Christian Jones, and then you'll be able to see him against Peyton Kirkland, most likely, right? And so given that, I do think you're going to be able to judge him. Um, Sark also talked about this. It's a zero-sum game when you go up, up against yourself in practice. Is the offensive tackle really that good, or is the defensive end really that bad? And, you, you know, there's a uh, delicate balance uh, to strike between those two things. And coaches have to rely on what they know as coaches and have to figure that out uh, themselves. So, RJ, I, I think you're going to be able to tell something what exactly that is. I, I'm not sure. All right, uh, Cade, uh, this one for Jerry. Is Blake Ivy the backup plan at center if Daniel Cruz somehow doesn't end up at the, in the class? Again, this is a recruiting question for Jerry. Cade Roman, great question. And the answer is, I believe, yes. That, this is a guy who's grown on the Texas staff. Um, I expect him to be at Clear Springs here pretty quick when this evaluation period opens up. It begins April 15th. Obviously, Texas won't be on the road the 15th. They have a spring game. But the 17th, they'll be out on the road around the country in the state of Texas. But Blake Ivey's an 82-inch wingspan guy. He plays left tackle for Clear Springs. He's an on-three industry four-star kid, um, and he's being looked at as an interior guy. Despite being ranked as an offensive tackle, he's definitely – haven't seen him a couple times. I think he's definitely going to slide inside. Long-term, he has tackle length, guard frame. Uh, and, and he's a guy who I think Texas really likes as a center guard guy. And the question here I have, Bobby, is Makai Saina came on late with them, right? He comes in on the March 25th junior day. Now he's coming in for an official visit the 23rd through 25th. Does Texas like Blake Ivy in the spring that much to where he becomes a guard and center take for Texas? Right now I think they see him as a really good center prospect, but Texas is in a good spot with Daniel Cruz. But after further evaluation, he may be one of those guys like Saina says, you know, he's too good to pass up. We take him as a guard or center. I think that's what's going to be great about the spring evaluation period. We're going to have some of those questions answered. But right now, he is the backup center behind Cruz. All right. I appreciate you answering that question for, for uh, our guy there, uh, Jerry. Uh, I want to say thanks again to our sponsor uh, for the Tuesday night Longhorn live stream. He helps us put this on each and every week. And that's the owner of Energy Texas at www.energytexas.com. If you're looking for a local energy company, one that is from the state of Texas, by Texans, uh, whenever you call or get your energy by energytexas.com, you're calling folks in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, nowhere else, not the Philippines. You're calling energytexas.com, Energy Texas, Texas electricity done right, competitive rates, uh, as well as great service. Uh, that's what they pride themselves on uh, being from the state of Texas. All right. Uh, this one is going to be for you, uh, Blake Monroe. Cody Helm asks, am I the only one that's going to miss the Big 12? I, I'm not personally, but I'm ready for a little new. I'm ready for a little something new. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably going to be the only one. Or there might be a few of you out there <laughs> that, that might miss it. 
Um, but no, I, I think that the the new, you know, the the whole novelty of, of seeing new teams, new players, new coaches, new locations, new venues. I mean, across every sport, not just football, uh, basketball, baseball. I mean, all of those are gonna. There's gonna be some some great competition, some great matchups for Texas down the line uh, in every major sport. And so, yeah, I. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to miss it. I'm with Bobby and uh, Jerry. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Look, look, I like to turn on the NFL draft and and see guys drafted from the conference Texas plays in. Okay. And, <laughs> and they're going from the outhouse to the penthouse as far as that goes. So I'm very excited uh, for, for Texas fans. Um, I'm not going to miss the big 12 at all. Um, maybe a little bit in basketball. We'll say that's a great basketball conference, but mm-hmm. football, hell no. Um, You're no. a big 12 hater in football, Jerry. Let's just be clear. <laughs> I mean, you, you, and that's not something new for you. It's no, been it's about not. a 10 year thing for you. No, it's mm-hmm. not. But it goes back to TCU Georgia this year. I mean, the people are like, oh, you know, TCU beat Michigan. They could give Georgia a game. No, no there's a different <laughs> level of athlete in, in, in football in the big 12 versus an sec and it's drastic and it will always be drastic and it's going to get more drastic with texas and oh you go to the sec it's just not there's just it's very simple take texas out of the equation and head north where's your talent it's not there bad football conference moving on yep fair enough i love you jerry in so many ways for so many different reasons uh michael gresser asking i know it's extremely early into the visit but have you heard anything regarding our chances with trill carter i actually checked on this today only that he is in town uh and uh undergoing the official visit he has added an official visit to ohio state uh this coming friday uh, he's already visited illinois and arkansas i believe as well uh so this is a guy that uh as you look around, what I'm being told is he may be the top defensive tackle in the transfer portal right now, period. Uh, there's not, again, not, I'm not saying he's a great player. I don't, I mean, I haven't watched enough of him to know that. Uh, what I am saying is that th- there's not a lot of defensive linemen out there that top tier teams like Texas, Ohio State, those kind of guys are going to go after. And Trill Carter uh, seems to be one of them. Uh, he's visiting the Longhorns. Hey, hey Bobby, I want to make a comment on the portal real quick. I was talking to a college assistant coach today, and he thinks this portal, spring portal period, is going to be almost like going to look at a house if you're a prospect. If you if if you don't put an offer in on that first visit, he thinks these guys are going to make quick decisions. He said it's going to be like buying a house. You see that house you want, you better put in an offer. He does not think there's going to be a lot of waiting around for these kids. In this spring uh, uh, portal period, he thinks there's going to be a lot of kids that are just going to go in and pick really quick. Um, so I think teams are going to have to be pretty aggressive here. And Texas is in a good spot because I didn't comment on it earlier, but I think one of the interesting things that Sark said today is I think they're pretty – they're very happy with the way things have gone this spring. I don't feel like – you know, look, we talked about was running back a need now. It's not a need now. Savion Red's done pretty well. Cedric Baxter's really good. Um, so I think Texas is in a really good spot because they're not going to have to be really strong as far as bringing a ton of kids in in the portal, uh, but they can be very selective. But I think some of these teams, it's going to be like it's going to be like finding that house for these kids, man. You better put an offer in when you find the house you like to get it done. Yeah, no doubt. I, I appreciate that. Um, I think that the one thing I would add to it, Jerry, is you you know the offer is is it nil related. 
Right. And what does that mean and how does that even work uh, in the construction of it? Because uh, the long and short of it is, is some of these programs are going to have the capacity to do that more than others. Uh, At the end of the day, though, I I go back to something Steve Sarkeesian said, Uh, not not today at his press conference, but earlier this year. Guys have to be a fit. They have to want to come to Texas and then the NIL and those sorts of things. Texas is going to be as good or better than anybody at it. But he wants guys that want to be at Texas for the right reasons, first and foremost, and then go from there. You know, and, and I want to say this. You don't just go and buy every house you see right away, either, right? right? You got to make sure the house is what you want it to be. And yeah. I think Texas has some some has to do some recon in that that regard, not just with anyone that, not just with Trill Carter on tape, but in person, right? Does he fit the culture that he's trying no to? Doubt. Do? Yeah, no doubt. All right. I want to ask you this, uh, both of you guys, uh, Blake, visiting with Blake Monroe and Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com. Uh, from Emmanuel Villafranco, do y'all sense Sark really thinks this is a quality team that will play at a Big 12 championship level and beyond? It does seem like the players being developed, and now they have to prove it on the field. Blake, start us off. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was actually kind of thinking about this today when he was talking, you know, at, at the presser about how much of this is is coach speak, quote unquote, and how much of it is the actual truth. And I, I do think that he there's no doubt about it. He has to feel a lot better than where he was in year one and year two. And he talked about it. He said that, uh, you know, it's been a step in the right direction from year one to now year three going into the spring game. So. I do think that uh, he believes it is a quality team. Now, are there, you know, holes or, you know, certain weakness areas? Then, yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to be on any team. Every team's going to have a weakness. But I do think that the players are a lot more developed than what we've seen in years past. Um, But, you know, like Emmanuel said, now they have to prove it on the field. Jerry, you you talked to someone, you and I were talking earlier today, and and I was trying, I want to set you up for this the right way, okay? You and I were talking just on the phone earlier today. For folks that don't know, Jerry and I like wake each other up with phone calls in the morning around seven o'clock every morning and start talking about what's going to go on during the day. Uh, But you gave me a call this afternoon. There's a little bit different. And you said you had just talked to someone. Uh, Why don't you share with folks what what you what you told me earlier today without giving away who it was, et cetera? Yeah. So, you know, look, college assistants talk to each other, right? They have buddies on staffs. Uh, And I was talking to somebody today that is not an assistant coach in the Big 12, right? So, but is friends with a couple of guys on the Texas staff. And the word from those guys on the Texas staff was they're very pleased with how the spring has gone and where this team is at. And they were excited. Um, And I thought that was interesting because I have not heard that before. Um, and they, I think, and it kind of falls in line with what we heard from a couple of people around the big 12 basketball tournament, tournament championship weekend. Um, so we heard the same thing that Texas was very pleased with how the spring was going. They're very excited with where they're at and what their trajectory is. They're really excited about the portal guys that came in. They're very excited about the early enrollee group that came in. Um, and then a lot of the position rooms. But, you know, today it was, look, um, A.D. Mitchell, Gavin Holmes, 
Malik Muhammad, some of those guys that have come into the program, I think has them very excited combined with who's coming back and some of the flashes they're seeing from Alfred Collins, David Binda, um, some of those guys that, we, you know, Keaton Crawford at times is Bobby. We've talked about it's put up or shut up time for these guys. This is it's make it or break it years for these kids. And so I think the Texas staff as a whole is pretty excited right now uh, with where things are at. I didn't I didn't ask about punter, but uh, other than that, I think they're pretty uh, excited about where things are at before the Stanford transfer gets in. <laughs> uh, hey, somebody somebody did today ask about that. Steve Sarkisian said, I'm not worried about it. I don't need to see him punt. He punted for four years. I saw him four years at Stanford. There you I think go. he'll be fine. <laughs> hey, guys, we'll say hi to Mr. Sorrell here. 88 is great. How you doing, <laughs> Mr. Sorrell? We just talked about your son a little bit. Um, all right, let's keep going here uh, and uh, keep, stay with it a little bit. And I want to go to this question uh, because I think it's a little bit broader uh, and what it all means about recruiting uh, as it relates to Colin Simmons. Uh, this from 817, a.k.a. Mr. Talk Too Much. Jerry, does Colin Simmons' recent interview with On3 give us any more confidence in regards to him coming to the 40 acres? Any update on my guy, Nigel Smith, Jr.? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. You know, uh, Colin Simmons, I mean, I, look, if you talk to in the college coaching world, they think LSU, they think Texas, you hear those two teams the most. And I think that's good news for Texas, right? No, I'm not putting in an RPM for either school. Um, uh, but those are the schools you hear the most about. And I think that it's actually funny. Those kinds kind of fall in at the R RPM right now. Uh, Georgia and Alabama, I think those are the other two. Uh, if the kid's going to play in the SEC, yes, he was on campus at Arizona State. Yes, he'll probably go to Oregon, USC at some point. Uh, but th this guy's playing in the SEC. Um, and, and every time I've been to Duncanville, which is probably six or seven or eight or nine times, I don't even know how many times since he's been on varsity at Duncanville, whether that's football or basketball, all these kids know each other. You talk to Colin, it's SEC. You talk to some guys that know him on basketball, oh, that guy's going to play in the SEC. They all know each other. This kid's going to play in the SEC. Um, and I think the best news I can give Texas fans is when you talk to in the college coaching industry, it's LSU and Texas are the teams that's coming up the most right now. And that's a good sign for Texas because a couple months ago it was more LSU, honestly. So the more we hear about Texas, and I don't know if that answered his question directly, but I wanted to give an answer maybe that will never be printed. Um, because nobody's really gonna comment on that. It's just part of our Bobby, you know, we talk to people in the business. What do they say? You know, and it's from guys that aren't going to get the kid. Yeah, that's what they're hearing the most. I I totally get it. I I feel like my my take on this is he's number one player in the state. 
Yes. You know, and um, you have to be all in. And you have to recruit through the whistle. You've used that term quite a bit, Jerry. I I feel like this is one of those guys and there's going to be ups and downs. Uh, It's going to be a roller coaster. You got to stick with it, though. Just look Uh, at the competition over here on the RPM. It's LSU, Georgia, and Bama. I mean, you know, but here's what I always say, Bobby. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like you said, there's going to be ups and downs. Just look at that. Kirby Smart can call. Nick can call. Brian Kelly can call. I mean, we'll see who LSU's new D-line coach hire is here in a few weeks. But um, those are the players, the teams you want to be competing against for these guys. That's the only way you're going to climb the mountaintop. You're not climbing the mountaintop competing with the Big 12 schools for Colin Simmons. This is who you have to beat right here on the page to get there. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Jerry, stay staying with you. Uh, based on this from David Williams, based on your update mm-hmm. on John, uh, Jordan Johnson Rebel, what happened since last July – that led to increasing your view that Rubel will commit to UT. I don't think Rubel is better than Terry Bussey. I'm not, no, I'm not so sure that Texas agrees with, with you on that, David, about your assessment of talent. But what is your update on Rubel in general, Jerry? First of all, I don't think they're the same position for Texas. So let's put that one out there. I think Rubel's a natural safety. Uh, we're talking about Jordan Johnson Rubel from Fort Worth Brewer, who transferred to IMG Academy, who's a really good player. On the IMG team there, you see it now on three industry, four star. Look, I was down at IMG last spring. Then I was back for the future 50. Um, Been to IMG many times over the years, especially when I lived in Florida and was doing just national stuff, Um, especially with that Under Armour, you know, them being Under Armour school when I was doing stuff with ESPN Under Armour camps, All-America game. So I'm pretty close over there. Um, In July, you know, talked to a couple people there and, and it was pretty strong, you know, look, People that are around this kid at most um, really think Texas, if the, if Texas pushes, is going to be the team to beat. Um, and that was pretty much a consensus. Um, and this today, I only raised it from 70 to 75 percent. But the reason I wanted to do that was more we're starting to come into focus who Texas is pushing in this class a little bit headed in the spring evaluation period. And, and I think Texas really likes the uh, the instinctive ability of Jordan Johnson or Bill. He's one of those guys who. People look at his height. I think he's a little heavier than that. Now he's 180. Maybe is he as tall? Is he quite as big? Maybe does he run quite as fast of a 40? Is some of the top, top guys? Maybe not. But um, he's a very good football player. He's from Fort Worth. Um, he really, when when Sarkeesian talks about fits and recruiting, the guy I think Texas fans are looking at right now on the screen is a really good fit for Texas and the program. And I think that matters especially when you're a really good player that's talented enough. So I, I continue to hear from the IMG side that, look, if, uh, if Texas wants this kid, this, he, he, there's a good chance they win out. Now, he'll be at the Alabama spring game the 15th. He's going up to Dion on the 22nd. Um, he played for Dion's youth team in the DFW area. He's got official visit the TCU Jan- uh, June 2nd, and then Ohio State the 16th through 18th, and they'll be at Texas the 23rd through 25th, which is Texas's big weekend. Ninth through 11th, we'll see if he schedules Bama after this weekend. That's Bama's big weekend. Uh, but I think Texas is in a really good spot for him. But I do think him and Terry Bussey are two different positions. This is a natural safety here. Bussey's more of an athlete. Got it. Uh, let's go to longest torn here. Uh, has Kelvin Banks improved any? Why does it seem I hear more about Zach Swanson at defensive tackle than Jeray Bledsoe? It seemed he Jeray was on the cusp of getting playing time behind Sorrell. Who's backing up Sorrell now? 
Um, so first of all, has Kelvin Banks improved any? I, I saw in the first couple of days of practice, I thought he looked like a million bucks or 10 million bucks, whatever, <laughs> whatever the price is for a, a future first round pick at left tackle. I mean, um, that being said, is he improving? I, I've heard nothing but glowing reports of Kelvin Banks uh, and, and whatnot. So I, I don't know where you go from there, but, but I think that he's still got upside ahead of him. As it relates to Zach Swanson and Jure Bledsoe, Swanson's one of those guys that I think when he makes plays, people are kind of surprised by it. I don't mean that to be rude, but they, they expect more out of Jure going into it, uh, right or wrong, because Bledsoe is a higher-ranked recruit. Uh, has a little bit more explosive ability, uh, longer arm, all of those things. Um, and my opinion of it is, is that Bledsoe also started off trying to play both end and tackle, but it's now just playing primarily tackle mostly. Um, the person backing up uh, Sorrell right now at, often is actually Chris Ross, is my understanding, um, as well as a you know a, an array of other people, including Jamon Tapp, uh, some other guys are getting cross-trained between uh, that position and uh, the uh, the buck and the, the jack positions are getting cross-trained. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how it goes. But um, I'm, I'm of the opinion that they're looking for edge players, period, and possibly one in the portal uh, for that depth concern that, that they have so much, Jerry and, and, and Blake. Yeah, I, I'll start with the Swanson Bledsoe. I, I think another point is, and we talked about this on Inside Texas and I, I, on on the on Texas Football YouTube during those signing days. You know, Bledsoe was maybe as raw of a prospect as Texas signed in that twenty was was it twenty twenty two class now is what it was, but his upside's ridiculous. But he was a long way from that upside. Uh, so I think there's gonna all he's gonna and I would say in the spring game Saturday he'll make two or three plays behind the line of scrimmage, which people will be talking about on Inside Texas. Or we'll be talking about here in a post game, post spring game show. But I think Swanson's a consistent player, and I think that matters. You know, I think if you're a consistent player, whether that's motor, whether that's technique, um, I think there's a trust factor there with coaches. They love the upside of Bledsoe, but they want him to become a more consistent player. Got it, uh, Blake. What are your thoughts on on uh, the the whole idea that? has Kelvin Banks improved any? I mean, one of the things that, that I got today from, and, and this is based strictly off of what uh, uh, what Steve Sarkeesian said and, and where I want to go with it, is he also talked at length today about the improvement of Cam Williams, mm -hmm. another young uh, lineman that's moving into guard quite a bit. Uh, Sark actually said that. He, he didn't say much about Kelvin Banks and whether or not he's improving but he did talk about Williams. What What are your thoughts on those two and, and where things are at? Um, I mean, as far as Banks goes, I mean, you would think that he has to improve. I mean, yeah, he had a phenomenal freshman season and with more coaching, more time, you know, spent around the S&C staff, you would think that he's just nowhere to go but up, right? Uh, so I, I would, in my opinion, he's just going to have to improve. I don't, I don't think that there's no way he's – It's yeah, it, it, it's not like it, let me say this. It's not like a sophomore slump for Colt McCoy. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's a Definitely. different position, right? I mean, Jerry, you agree with that too? Well, Blake led me into what I was gonna follow up with. One thing why Kelvin Banks is I think is gonna be a vastly improved player and maybe an all-American legit player, and that's vastly improved from a freshman all-American, is twofold. One, 
Kim, Cam Williams, they weren't even early enrollees last year. This is their first spring practice at Texas. And this is their first spring in the strength and conditioning program before now they go to the summer in the strength and conditioning program. So there, none of those guys, only Cole Hudson was the early enrolling of that group of talented offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So Agbo, uh, Cam Williams, uh, you go down the list. Neto. Um, Neto. They've all made strides this spring because it's their first spring. I mean, and I think that is so underrated. Um, the kids who are early enrollees have a huge advantage. I, I really believe that from that str- that spring strength and conditioning standpoint, then the spring practice, then in the season, they're so much more comfortable rather than moving in two days after you graduate from high school and boom, here's your off season and you're throwing up on on the forty acres at six a.m. when you're running in hundred degree heat, right? It, it, there, it's not just boom in your face; adversity immediately hits. That hits in the spring. I think that's such a huge advantage. So any kids out here, be an early enrollee, man. If you're not an early enrollee, you're missing out. That's why I think these all these linemen are going to be much improved, no matter how talented they are. And by the way, the Cam Williams repping at guard probably, you know, when we were there, he was only repping at tackle. That probably has something to do with DJ Campbell's injury as well. Yeah, and and, and I wanted to ask Blake about, about that because Sark had some really – I thought he was – he went out of his way to be overly complimentary of, of Cam Williams today. Just reading between the lines. What did you think of that, Blake? Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, it seemed like, I don't want to say he got more praise than any player, but he definitely spent a lot of time praising Williams, you know, talking about how he was playing garden tackle number one. Uh, he was in the best physical shape since he's been on campus now. Um, and that, what else did he say? He was light on his feet and then getting to that second level and really covering people up, you know? So there, there was a lot of praise uh, coming from Sark for Williams. And, uh, you know, obviously he must be doing something right to to get that because there wasn't, I don't I don't know if there was a single player that, that he spoke about in length that much. Gotcha. I, I think that's fair. I, I was I was kind of it, it just as much as the Byron Murphy question caught me or the Byron Murphy answer, I should say, caught me off guard a little bit. Wow. He thinks Byron Murphy's really, really good. Uh, just as much as that answer threw me off, the the answer of Cam Williams and the discussion there threw me off a little bit in, this, in a similar way. Right. Mm-hmm. I, Bobby, Bobby, didn't that go into kind of what this college assistant that I talked to said? why these guys are so excited. They're having some guys step up outside of the knowns. That's when you think coaches get really excited, right? Yeah. I I tell you what, I was going to go to another question. I'm going to go with this one instead because you just mentioned it, Jerry. If y'all could pick one front seven player to take a major step this offseason, who would it be? For me, Jare Bledsoe is too overlooked. Thanks, John P., for the question. You know, Bledsoe's interesting because he was an early enrollee last year, but then he had – he had to have surgery. I think it was a um, – he had appendix surgery. So he missed most of spring practice. So he's actually one of those kids that got in early, but he never got to take advantage of it. Then he dropped weight. Uh, then he didn't have retro in which he needed to do. I think what's going to happen with him, I think it's going to be big. His offseason after the spring headed into August. He gained about 15 pounds, I think, from 252, 267. If he can get the 280 – in that range headed into August, I think you could see a guy take a really big jump um, once he gets his opportunities. I, I still think he has a very high ceiling. Um, as far as a guy ma- major step in the offseason, you know, I'm going to go to an early enrollee. I'm going to go 
to a DeAndre Moore, Jonte Cook. Um, because but not that no, he's asking for a front seven. Oh, sorry, 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 front seven. Um, I'm gonna go Neto. Interesting. Oh, he's talking defense. Okay, he's talking defense. He's not talking offensive line. Defensive line, you know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Tapper Colton Vosick for me. Interesting. Interesting. I, I think there's gonna be some opportunities for those guys. And Vosick that early in a role who's getting his feet wet in college football. Tap was not. He didn't have a spring last year. This is his first spring at Texas. Ethan Burke the same, but I think Ethan Burke's already made a little bit more of a move. So I'm going to look at those guys that's either their first spring or they're an early enrollee. I think those guys are the ones that make the big jumps from spring practice to August. Blake? I was going to say Burke or Hill. Yeah. We're, we're going to be my two. Um you know, obviously acclimating to the college game for Hill and then Burke, as Jerry kind of touched on. I mean, he's already taken that step. So let's see what he does throughout the summer and how he looks in the fall. Guys, I can't. Jerry, you just missed a layup here for you. You had your opportunity to say Alfred Collins. Well, I'm putting too, too much pressure on him, Bobby. And myself. <laughs> and myself. Fair enough. By, 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 by the way, we didn't get. We need to give Mr. Sorrell some love because he's on. He's on the show. I met him uh, prior to the Bama game. I think it was. You know what? His son was committed to Northwestern, right? His son's at the University of Texas. There you go, um, man. Whether Baron Sorrell ends up in the NFL or not, I don't know. He is. He's a heck of a football player, but he's a heck of a dude too. I mean, you know, committed to Northwestern. At the university, student at the University of Texas, man, whatever the Sorrell family did, they did it right with their kid. Yeah, I, I think it's a good deal. I, I and do. I think that's lost sometimes, right? We talk about the talent all the oh, time. It's... Steve Sarkeesian talks about the fit. Baron Sorrell is a fit. He helps you win football games more than a sack or a third down tackle. Here's the here's the reality, Jerry. You you've used this term, and I use it. Is the guy a talent maximizer? A lot of people on this earth born with a lot of God-given talent. Yes. Baron Sorrell has a lot of God-given talent. He's not the most talented human that's ever walked the planet, though. Right. Um, that being said, with consistent hard work and effort, yeah, you maximize your talent. That's right. Um, and I, I can tell you from watching him in those first two practices, Jerry, physically, he looked, he's, he's continuing to look more and more like you're supposed to look if you want to end up playing in the NFL. That's uh, right. That's just the way of it. All right. Uh, let's go to this one real quick, guys. Uh, speaking with uh, Jerry Hamilton and Blake Monroe uh, of Inside Texas. Uh, this is on Texas football. Uh, this one from Ryan. Do we believe any players on the presumed too deep enter the portal or just depth players? Anybody, either y'all want to take that? Y'all want me to step out there first? Step out there first, because I'm trying to think about that answer. <laughs> I think I think there will be. Uh, how many? I don't know that there'll be many, but I, invariably there'll be one or two that surprise us. I, yeah. I just I think that's the nature of dealing with 18, 19 year old kids. You know that that may see the whether Arturio Morris is an example, Jerry. I mean, he's yeah. he, he walks into a starting role next year, most likely. But instead, he, he decides to go off and be somewhere that he might be the uh, quote-unquote focal point. Of, right. So, and, and by the way, I think the spring game could have something to do with that as well. How many opportunities certain couple of players get in that spring game um, and how 
them or their circle sees things after the spring game. I mean, I don't want to put it on that just that simple, but you know, it could happen. All right. I want to say thanks to our sponsor. We've got a time for about four or five more questions. We'll get to them quickly. Uh, thank, say thank you to our sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When you sign up and select Energy Texas as your energy provider, you're calling and dealing with people from the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, but Texas. Uh, try Energy Texas at energytexas.com. It's Texas Energy electricity done right that's energytexas.com uh let's go to this one uh next guys uh in the spring game which lb excluding jalen ford do y'all expect to play best between benda blackwell bush hill and lafau well if they're able to get the quarterback maybe anthony hill but i'll tell you this much i'm going with maurice blackwell because he he laid the wood in the spring game last year. I mean, he had he was playing safety, but he he made some plays last year in the spring game. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. I mean, look, without special teams tackles, I mean, it may hurt some guys. Um, but it, this is linebacker only. But I do think those guys impact games different ways. Um, I think it's I, I lean to Blackwell or Hill because whoever gets a sack or two is going to have the fans' attention, right? Uh, Benda could not false step as much as he has early in his career, but it might not be as noticeable. Um, it, the spring games are flash type of situations for players. Um, now, Jet Bush is interesting because if he's the number two inside linebacker, he blitzing from that inside backer position, maybe he makes a couple of plays. But I, I'm going with I'm with you. I'm going with Hill or Blackwell because I think the r- rushing the passer is going to give them opportunities. Blake, which way yep. you want to go? I, I think we're all in agreement there. And like Jerry said, whoever gets the sacks or makes the big wild plays is who's going to stick out in the fans' minds. And so that'll be – it'll be one of those two, excluding Ford. Got it. All right, uh, let's go to King Me. Jerry, how hard was Texas recruiting Peyton Pierce, the linebacker out of Lovejoy? Um, pretty hard early on. Then after did, – did, did he go ahead and commit? Committed to Ohio State. He committed to Ohio State today. Pretty hard early on, um, headed into junior season. Not as hard after that. Um, Dylan Williams from Long Beach Poly is coming in for an official visit June 23rd through 25th. Justin Williams, who Texas is behind on at Oak Ridge, I think is as good as there is in the country. Um, so I think there's a few guys that moved ahead of Peyton Pierce. And it's looking like a one or two linebacker class in high, out of the high school ranks for Texas right now. So I think that also affected how hard they recruited some of these guys. So they're really dialing in on a couple of targets. And I think Dylan Williams at Long Beach, uh, Polly, um, who's been on campus before and will be back in June, and Justin Williams, obviously, are those top two right now. I think that's totally totally fair. Um, here we go. From KD35, who is the 2024 class that is arch that has a arch-like potential in recruiting? LOL, we know none will have that pull. <laughs> he did. But who do you view on offense and defense? I'll, I'll say defense, Colin Simmons. No question. Um, from Duncanville, possibly. Uh, offense, is there one, Jerry? I don't think there is. I mean, Micah Hudson's a really talented player. He's not a DFW or Houston area kid. Um, I, I think Collins is, is the guy in state. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that maybe Texas is battling a little bit in, the, in this class is, you know, some of these kids, a lot of these kids aren't going to make early decisions. I mean, 
I, Colin Simmons, could he commit in July before senior season? Maybe. Could he wait till December? Maybe. We'll see what happens with that. That's gone back and forth if you talk to people close to Duncanville. So I think Colin Simmons is the guy. He's at the program that won state. Um, it's kind of like the Ron Holland recruitment for Texas basketball. He's at one of the premier programs in the state of Texas. He is the top-ranked guy in the state. He is a recruitment that Texas absolutely has to win, just like Texas felt like they had to win the Ron Holland recruitment. There's a lot of similarities there. Um, and Ron Holland was Texas, Kentucky, Arkansas, a couple of SEC powers. Um, I think it's very similar. I think Colin Simmons is that impact guy in the state this year. Got it. All right, let's keep going here. And what do you want to see from Quinn in the spring game? I'd say 12 of 15 for 150. Uh, two TDs, no interceptions. That would that would about do it for me. 75%, if I'm not, mis not mistaken, 80%. Uh, and, uh, you know, control of the offense, that sort of thing. Th those are the stats. Long and sto Long story short of it. I want to see a guy with command in a three wide receiver set. Jerry, Blake, why don't you start with that? Yeah. Uh, to me, taking care of the football, consistency of just making good decisions. Um, and then, you know, some stats similar to what you what you said stat wise. Uh, but to me, those are the two big things, consistency and taking care of the football. I, I'm going to go back to last year's spring game. When he connected with Isaiah Nair on the bomb, in that spring game, people are like, oh, this guy can throw it downfield and Texas has somebody that can get downfield behind the defense. And that got everybody excited and they got hurt. And I really think that had a one or two win impact on the season last year. I want to see more than Quinn. I want to see him and A.D. Mitchell connect down the field. A.D. Mitchell make a play with a DB draped all over him. Make the play that the Texas receivers didn't make for Quinn last year while Quinn had his ups and downs. I want to see both of it happen. If I want to see a back shoulder. I want to see somebody actually, Texas, complete yes. a back shoulder throw on. Yes. Remember how excited people got when they were just, they threw the bomb last year. Oh, oh we have an arm talent guy and somebody who can run under with size. Mm -hmm. Well, A.D. Mitchell's there now. Quinn's a year older. Like you said, whether it's that, whether it's a play down the field, I want to see a receiver make a play for him when he puts the ball in the right place. I think it's amazing what happens for a quarterback's confidence when they have somebody that can bail them out sometimes and they don't always have to make the perfect throw. I felt like Texas was missing that last year. All right, Jerry. Uh, what does Arch do if Ewers doesn't enter the draft after this season? I don't think it's predicated on what I, I people are I cannot get, people cannot understand the Manning family decision tree. It is unlike anybody else's because they are different. I mean, they're not looking for their their son or their the scion of the family to start year one. That that's just they're looking for the best long term for him. And when you take a long-term view, you just don't have these, uh, you know, artificial timelines uh, on someone. If, if he's ready to play, he's ready to play. If he's not, he's not. Um, if he's better, he's, he plays. If not, he, he keeps getting his degree, keeps working off, off uh, or on the field and, and tries to get better. I just don't I, – I think that people mistake the, the, the Manning family in a way that that they just don't get it. They they're built a little different in that way because in, in part because 
they've had that experience. They've been through this. It's not their first rodeo. Well, and think about how they handled the recruiting process. There was no snap decision. There was no, oh, Arch really likes Texas. Let's just commit and be done with this. No, they went through a spring official visit process, not officials from the colleges, but they used this official visit process. Then they came back and went through a real official visit process. This is not a family that makes snap decisions. Um, I, I think I think both those guys are going to play in the NFL, and uh, we'll see which one uh, how their trajectory goes. But I don't think if Quinn Ewers it returns to Texas next year. Look, there's twofold to that. If Quinn were to return to Texas next year, that means he didn't have the year to get drafted high. Then it becomes a real competition, let's say that. So that yeah. that's part of it if Quinn does return. That means because if Quinn has the season, Texas fans hope he's probably going to the NFL. All right. Last one for us tonight. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Before we get to this, we really appreciate you guys joining us on this live stream each and every Tuesday night, seven o'clock. Uh, myself, Jerry Hamilton, Blake Monroe of Inside Texas. Uh, also remember that uh, through Saturday, uh, there is an introductory price for uh, InsideTexas.com to get our daily articles. Uh, message boards, anything you want to talk about, Texas football, basketball, recruiting, any and all of it, uh, InsideTexas.com, four months for just $1 uh, for first-time subscribers to give us a try. All right, from Britt Rasko, let's finish up here. Can the Horns' more experienced offensive line yield more total rushing yardage this year despite losing Bijan and Rojo? Um, Texas gained roughly 2,500 yards, a little bit more than 2,500 yards, on the ground this year. Uh, Bijan had 1,500 of that, obviously. Uh, Roshan had another 500. Okay, so that that two-headed, you know, whatever you want to call it, two-headed uh, running back had 2,000 of the 2,500. Do you think the top two or three have the same amount this year, or is that going to be a tough road, road to hoe? I say no unless there's some good faint punt yardage. I mean uh, – <laughs> Thank you, know. Jerry. <laughs> I mean, 2,000-yard seasons don't happen very often, right? I mean, and that's what those guys combined to do is 2,000 yards. Um, and I think I think Jonathan Brooks and Bobby, I know you wanted to hit on this, really good football player. Every what Sark said today, what every time he comes, steps on the field, he produces, right? And I think Cedric Baxter is going to fall into that. And I think Savion Reds had a really good spring. Watch out for him. But I think the wide receivers – are so much better and the tight ends are older and the offensive line is older that you're going to see a different Texas offense this year because it has to be. Blake, I agree with you in many ways, Jerry. Blake. Yeah, I think I still, I mean, obviously they're going to get their rushing numbers, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near that 2,500 or the 1,500 from an individual, especially. Uh, but like, like Jerry said, I think we're going to see, you know, a lot more of the passing game open up because obviously Quinn has another year more better talented receiver. So no, I, I do think that they'll get theirs, but it won't be anywhere near that 2,500. Hey, hey, let's seriously add a piece to this. If Texas ended up bringing in a sixth offensive lineman, like they did last year and had this to go back to that type of uh, offense and within their scheme, then things aren't going according to plan. <laughs> They've had to true. change the script. Except for, let's short, be yardage. Real. Except for short yardage goal. Line. Let's yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be real, because that's not I Steve Sarkeesian offense, what he want, really wants to do if he's got it going the way he wants. I want to add this before I leave, and this is a, a 
go on a little bit. It's uh, JT Sanders uh, because he plays into what you just mentioned, uh, Jerry, and what uh, Steve Sarkeesian said today about him. I thought it was really telling. Uh, JT Sanders uh, is a tremendous receiver. Uh, I think we all know that has really good hands. Yeah, he dropped one or two last year, but generally speaking, he he snatches the ball. He doesn't catch it, right? He just kind of like just plucks it. Um, and he's he's fairly athletic for the position. There's no doubt about that. But what Steve Sarkeesian said he wanted to see more out of him this year, outside of better blocking, which I think every coach wants better blocking from a primarily receiving tight end, right? He said he wants him to use his physicality more, mm -hmm. to realize that he's actually bigger than those guys that he's going up against a lot of times, instead of trying to outquick them, to kind of use that that body leverage uh, to beat him up a little bit. And I, I feel like if those are those small things, uh, I remember a couple of plays last year where JT Sanders felt a yard short of the first down on a third down where he tried to go sideways instead of just putting a knee in the chest and, and making the extra yard. Right. Um, those are the things that spring football are for. Right. And, and those are the things that your football IQ goes up as you get older. Uh, and so I want to mention that. And that's also player development. He's a guy who played outside wide receiver and defensive end in high school. He didn't really play a physical, physical brand of football, no matter how talented he was. He won on athleticism. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now he's not, now the next piece of that is winning on athleticism to start and physicality to finish. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, Jared. Blake, thank you so much, man. I uh, appreciate you guys. We also appreciate the audience. Uh, thanks for uh, the uh, super chat there, as well as everything else you guys do for us. I'll be back tomorrow morning. I've got a show with uh, Eric Nalin our weekly state of the program where we sum up uh, everything Eric and, and the crew have learned uh, and talk a little bit of, uh, as we look forward into the next week as well. For Jerry and Blake, I'm Bobby Burton. This has been Tuesday night's Longhorn Livestream. Thanks.